Glad to be with you again this morning <clears throat> as we continue through uh, our series called Marks of a Healthy Church. And this morning we're going to talk about a church membership. Uh, what is a church membership? But before we get started, I'd like for us to pray together one more time. Oh Lord, we just thank you now for this opportunity and privilege that you've given us. Lord, you have given us so much to be grateful for. And in Christ we have a hope that extends beyond the, this world that nothing, nothing, God, in this world can take away. And for that, Lord, we give you praise. And we think now, this morning, God, on the privilege of church uh, membership, Lord, and the great joy and privilege it is to be uh, a family with other believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, to live out the life of faith that you have entrusted to us. So thank you for this privilege, God, and uh, help us, God, to uphold it in all of its uh, beauty and, and wonder uh, in our church uh, life. And so teach us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, <clears throat> and while you turn there, I'd just like to make a few comments uh, about our denomination. Uh, you know, stuff comes out all the time and <clears throat> you know, they'll say, or they're, they're saying, you know, the SBC is in decline, uh, which it is. <clears throat> We're down to 14.8 million members, down from 16 million members. <clears throat> uh, not too long ago, that is, uh, membership reported on the rolls <clears throat> by our churches. And so there's no doubt that uh, the Southern Baptist Convention is... Um, in decline, of course, we're still one of the, the I think, the largest Protestant denomination uh, in the United States. Um, but you can just see the general trend in the United States of the increase of the, the religious nuns, as they call them, no religious affiliation. Uh, I'm not as concerned about that as I am concerned about the health of the church. In the SBC, we have 14.8 million members on our rolls. We need to compare that with the average weekly attendance, which is about 5.3 million. That is, on any given Sunday, two-thirds of the members of the entire Southern Baptist Convention are unaccounted for. Two-thirds. And we as Southern Baptists, and as Christians, and as members of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, who have covenanted together as we have to fulfill the scriptural commands to love one another through this local body, we have to ask ourselves, just as every church has to ask ourselves, where is everybody? Where are they? Why aren't they here? What are we going to do about it? What is church membership? Is it a big deal or is it not? Is it biblical? What's it for? That's what I want to talk about. This morning, beginning in our passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so now I invite you, if you're able and willing, to stand in honor of the reading of God's word from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse 12. Paul writes, For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. 
and we're all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, and yet one body. The word of God. You may be seated. So the first thing I want to look at, I just want to look at in this uh, the idea of membership under a few headings. The first heading is this, is I want to give us a biblical basis for church membership. A biblical basis for church membership. I do think it's biblical. Uh, there are increasing number of churches today that do not, do not practice a formal membership. And I, I assume they have reasons for that. But we, just, we want to ask, well, what does the Bible say? And is there, is there a legitimate reason to exercise church membership in our churches? And so... The text that makes most sense to start with is the, the text that actually uses the term members. But as you've already seen, the way Paul uses the term member here is not the way we typically use it. It's not the way we typically think about it. Paul, of course, is talking and referring to a member or a part of the body of, as, a, as a living organism, if you will. Whereas when we think about membership, we typically, we typically think of it as something akin to a club. I'm a AAA member. I'm a member of a credit union. I'm a member of a country club. And nine times out of ten, when we think about membership, we think, well, I'm a member of a certain organization because of the benefits that it confers to me. I'm a member of AAA because if my car breaks down, they're going to come help me out. And so, we, and so the minute that our, the organization uses its, loses its utility or benefit for my life, then I have no reason to, continue to maintain my membership in that organization. That's the way we typically think about membership. But that's clearly not the way Paul talks about being a member of Christ's body. For Paul, being a member of the body of Christ means that you function uh, like an organ... In a, in, a, in a physical, in like a human body. That's the analogy that he gives. That is, each of us plays a vital role in the part of the body. And in the context of 1 Corinthians 12, he's talking about spiritual gifts. And so, I mean, the point that he's getting at is that each person who has been saved, if you are a Christian, that means that you have received the Holy Spirit. And if you have received the Holy Spirit, that means you have been endowed with spiritual gifts. And that God has... God, God has assigned the gifts. He says God has arranged the body in the passage that we read. God has uh, supernaturally endowed each of his believers with spiritual gifts that they are then uh, to exercise for the, in service to the whole body because God has arranged it uh, for each part to do its part to serve the whole purpose and function of the uh, body. And so... That, that's, the, uh, that's the analogy on which the body of Christ works. So, you know, each of, everybody's different. And that's, that's, not a, that's not a bad thing. That's intentional. 
The Bible says God designed it that way. You have certain gifts. There are certain things that you're passionate about, good at, and that God has supernaturally uh, equipped you for and geared you to. And you have something else. And that means you can serve in this function over here, whereas someone else wouldn't, uh, wouldn't prosper as well in that capacity. And so they're uh, to serve somewhere else. But the point is, is that everybody has a role to play. Everybody has a function to serve. And in a, in a body... And some of, you, some of you know this from first-hand experience. If one part stops working, it doesn't matter if the whole rest of the body is perfectly healthy. If one part stops working, it cripples the whole body and could kill it. Why? Because we're not, just, we're not just siloed Christians. We're not just totally independent of one another. The way a body works is that we're totally and completely and utterly interdependent on one another to the point that if one part that's why in this passage Paul says if one suffers we all suffer if one rejoices we all rejoice the point is is if one if if one part is failing it everybody suffers and so we're all interconnected we're all interdependent why why are we this way and and why are we to function interconnectedly and interdependently the purpose is that so that the, the reason why the body works and the reason why the body functions is to fulfill the purposes of the head. Right? You, the head tells your body what to do. Right? Your head tells your body what to do. If, you, if you're, you know, your head and you try to tell part of your body to do something, but it won't respond to you telling it to do something, something's wrong. Well, Christ is our head. Christ is the head of the church. And we are to serve His will. And whatever He wills, we are, to just, we are to be at His every command so that together we can serve the purposes and the will of the Christ who saved us. And so that's why we work and that's why we labor and that's why we give ourselves to one another in service of the church. And to think about how does God want me to serve and what capacity can I serve and what role do I play in this body so that whatever Christ calls this local body of Cottonwood Baptist Church to do, we'll be able to do it. We don't want to be in a position where Christ calls us to do something then we're found lame. We can't do it because we're not healthy. This, so the first key passage is that we're members of the body, and that's a, that's a key basis of church membership. The second, a second passage that I want to discuss uh, that gives us a very strong biblical basis for church membership, especially uh, specifically how we practice it, that is in terms of having an actual membership role that we actually can identify by name those who are considered members of the church, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 9. <clears throat> right there, Paul says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual morality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside whom you inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. 
So this is a passage on church discipline, and you'll say, well, what does church discipline have to do with church membership? It has everything to do. You can't have church discipline without church membership. And you look at what Paul's saying, and he says, he says, uh, what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? So what, what, what is Paul saying to the church at Corinth? He is saying that it is understood at the church in Corinth who is and isn't part of the covenant community. Who is and isn't part of the church because depending on which they are is going to affect how you relate to them. Right? That's what Paul is saying. He is saying if they don't... if a person who does not profess to know Christ, we can't, we can't hold them to Christian standards because they're not a Christian. But it's different, however, if they claim to know Christ. It's different, however, if they're a part of your church because then they have covenanted with you as a body of Christ to uphold the doctrines and the, and the, uh, the, the teachings and, the, and a life consistent with a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Because now once you, once you name the name of Christ, once you've been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you don't just represent you anymore. You represent Jesus Christ with your life. And you represent the church with your life. And if you're a member of Cottondale, you represent Cottondale Baptist Church with your life. And we have the responsibility in the fear of God to guard the reputation of Christ in his church. And so if there is someone who professes to be a Christian and who is a member of the church and they're living a life that profanes the name of Christ and we don't do anything about it, what are we telling people? We tell them it doesn't matter. We tell them we don't care. We're telling them Christ doesn't make a difference in our lives. And that's a lie. It's not true. It's not true. It is the responsibility of the church to guard the reputation of Christ and the church by holding those, not people who aren't Christians, but by holding those who profess faith in Christ and who are members of the church, by holding them to a life of consistent with faith in Jesus Christ. And of course, all this assumes that you know, that you know who is and isn't a member of your church. Because are we responsible to do that for every Christian in Dodge County? No. Only the people who have covenanted here to be a member here that we are responsible together for. Their, the, the, uh, their church, whatever church you're a member of, they're responsible for that, for that particular member. But if you are a member of here, we are responsible for you. And all that, of course, clearly implies that we, might, we have to know. We have to know who isn't and isn't a member. So there you go. Did you know that church membership role was biblical? But it means a lot more than we like to think it means. So the next question I want to ask, so we have the biblical basis of church membership. The next question I want to ask is, who can be a church member? Who can be a church member? What makes someone a member? Who should be a member? Well, we could go back right in our passage, uh, right here in 1 Corinthians 12, and just look at those first two verses that we read, 12 and 13. Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And so we can learn right from this passage who should be a member of the church. He says, we were all baptized into one body, 
and we're all made to drink of one spirit. So if you read the New Testament carefully, you'll, you'll see that, that baptism, I mean, it's, it's clear, baptism is just, it's used as a symbol for salvation. So we're not saying that baptism saves you. It doesn't. Just getting dunked in some water doesn't save you. But in the New Testament, it's clearly understood that if you have been baptized, you are someone who has professed faith in Christ. And who the church has affirmed that, and therefore they have agreed to baptize you. And so to be, a, to be baptized, then biblically speaking, means you are a Christian, or at least you claim to be a Christian. You profess to be a Christian. And then he says, and then he says, and we're made to drink of one spirit. In other words, you've received the Holy Spirit. And so who should be a church member? Anyone who's saved and has the Holy Spirit, which is the same thing as being saved. If you are saved, you should be a member of a church. Because in reality, you are. If you are a member of the body of Christ or, or the, the, cap, the church, capital C, then you also must be a member of the local church, little c. You have to be. If you read, you know, we, we talked about this uh, not too long ago. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I mentioned that if you read the New Testament, if you read it carefully, you will see no, there's no category in the Bible for a Christian who is not also part of a community of other believers. It doesn't exist in the Bible. It would be insane. Can you imagine walking up to the Apostle Paul? Or Oh my goodness, could you imagine walking up to Jesus Christ and say, Hey Jesus, I love you. You're my best friend. I just don't like hanging out with your people. Are you kidding me? That's what you're going to tell him? You're going to tell Jesus that? I don't think so. We are the body of Christ. That means if you're a Christian... You, you hear me clearly. You are the body of Christ. It's not, it's not a matter of if. If you are a Christian, you have been baptized into the body of Christ. You are a member of Christ's body, and you should be a member of a local church, and you should be functioning. The question is then, if we are a Christian, and if we are saved, and if we do have the Holy Spirit, the question then remains is, are we a functioning member or not? Are we a healthy member or not? Are we contributing Are we fulfilling the commands that Christ has given us to love one another and serve one another? All those one another commands in the Bible over and over is telling us to give ourselves for the good of others. And guess what? You can't obey a one another command by yourself. It's literally impossible. We cannot be obedient to Christ unless we're part of a local church. And so we we must be, we, we have to be. This is a, it's an undeniable reality. It, it, we're actually going to uh, discuss this passage tonight in 1 John. John says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And so we've been talking about that in 1 John. John is giving tests about... The, there's this group of people who have left the church and they've unsettled the people. They've unsettled the Christians and John is giving them tests to be able to identify who is and isn't of God, who is and isn't a reliable guide so that they can know whether they should be listening to these people or not who left, their, who left the Christian community. And he's saying, here's one of the ways you know. If they practice righteousness, we talked about that last week, and we're going to talk about tonight, if they love the brother. If a, if a person comes to me and says, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church, and they never fellowship with other believers, and they never have anything good to say about other Christians, let me tell you something. I'm going to have a huge red flag in my mind. 
huge question mark in my mind because the Bible says you cannot be of God and not love your brother at the same you have to love your brother if you love God you have to love the fellowship of the saints you have to love the Christians you have to and so the point of all this then is that to be a Christian means that one must be a member of a local church not that is not merely having your name on a sheet of paper But it means having your lives involved in the lives of others, living out together the commands of Christ and putting his love on display. Because we're, again, we're part of Christ's body. We're part of his people. So so who is a member? Who should be a member? Any and every Christian should, must be a member of a church. And so that's why, you know, I have this membership class and, um, you know, and I, and I say in the membership class, you know, if this is not the church for you, so be it. But you need to go somewhere that you can commit to and say, this is going to be my family. This is where I'm going to obey Christ's commands to love one another. You see, because it's real easy. It's real easy to say, well, yeah, I love other people. Yeah, all the commands that Christ commands. Yeah, I love what I love. It's easy to love people in theory. If you ask anybody if they love other people, yeah, I love other people in theory. But then you get in a church where you say, I'm going to commit to love this church and then get your feelings hurt and then tell me if you still love people. You see, the church is a family. It's loving people through hard times. And the world says, hey, when it gets hard, you just jump ship. But the Christian, the way the the way we actually learn to be Christians is to be get involved into a local community that becomes our family, so that we love people through thick and thin. And that's how we actually put Christ's commands on display. That's how we actually obey His commands to forgive one another, to love one another, to overlook offenses, to help other people in need, to sacrifice ourselves for the good of others. So we have the biblical basis for membership, and then we have who is a member, any believer. And finally, what are, the, what are the privileges and responsibilities of membership? What are the privileges and responsibilities of membership? You see, membership in Christ's body and being a member of a local church is a responsibility, of course, but it's also a gift. And if you think about it, every gift comes with responsibility. Right? That's just how it works. Right? Marriage is a gift. It's a gift from God. Okay? And there are great privileges that come with being married, great joys that come with being married. But guess what? It also comes with responsibility. It means you gotta love. It means you gotta sacrifice. It means it's not just you anymore, but every every thought you have and every decision you make now includes somebody else. And then we could go on and say kids Having kids is a great privilege. There are great joys, incredible joys that come with having children. But guess what? It comes with responsibility. Well, church membership is no way. There are joys that can only be had when you actually invest yourself in a local church and get to know other people and really invest your lives in a community of faith. There are joys that can only be found when you do that. But guess what? With that comes responsibilities. So anything that brings joy also brings responsibility with it. Now, I want to tell a parable to kind of to illustrate some things here. I want you to imagine this situation, totally, totally, you know, totally hypothetical situation where you have a daughter named Haddon Grace Henley, okay? Just totally 
hypothetical. And she is so cute. The cutest. She's perfect, okay? She's just absolutely perfect. And imagine this hypothetical daughter grows up under your careful eye and care. And then one day, a boy shows up at the door. And you, like a good parent, you go and you buy some oil and you begin polishing your Remington 312 gauge. Totally, totally hypothetical situation, okay? And you do, you do the right thing to do and you bring this boy in and you say, what are your intentions with my daughter? And this boy is a... He's absurdly young and naive and immature and can't think right, so he decides to tell you the truth. <laughs> and he says something like this. Well, I like your daughter. She's pretty cool. I want to hang out and see where this goes. But, you know, the second I really feel like it's not really working for me, you know, it's not really meeting my needs, I'm just going to dump her and find another one. What would you tell that young man? <laughs> would he make it out your house? That's your daughter. Why do so many people treat the church of Jesus Christ like some unsaved hormonal teenage boys want to treat our daughters? You know, I like her, she's kind of cool. But the second I'm not really feeling it anymore, I'm out of here. Find another one. Why? Why do we do that? What if I told you that church membership is a lot less like dating and a lot more like a marriage? You see, church membership is, like marriage, it's a covenantal relationship. We have a church covenant. If you're a member of this church, you agree to live by the church covenant. It's a a covenant that this church has agreed to saying, we will fulfill these responsibilities towards one another. It's in your bulletin. I hope you grabbed one. The church, we have a church covenant. And just like a marriage... Now, I'm not saying it's exactly the same. I'm not saying, I think there are some reasons you might leave a church, like if the church agrees to abandon the gospel or something like that. But I think it's much more like a marriage than it is anything else. That is that when you, that is it's a responsible, it's a choice that you should make seriously and, and think about deeply. And then when you commit, you're saying, I'm in it. I'm in this. And if I see a problem in the church, if I see something that needs fixing, I'm not going to run off, but I'm going to run to the problem and do what I can to help fix it. You see, when you're in a committed relationship, that's what you do. You don't run from the problem, you run to the problem. And you say, I'm in this, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it right, because I'm in this. I'm part of this family. That's what church membership is like. And, and you see, and when you, have, when you have that relationship, when you commit to something like that, it's glorious. It's freeing. 
You never have to sit there and wonder. You never have to sit there and postulate, oh, I'm about to leave, I'm about to leave. You just say, no, I'm in this. And I'm going to make it work. Because I've made a promise to these people. To love them. To help them. To serve them. To be there for them. Through thick and thin. That's what church membership is. We take church membership far too lightly, and as a result, everybody loses. We lose because we never actually commit, and therefore we never actually get the benefits of a truly committed relationship. You see, just about everything in life works this way. You get out of it what you put in it. Literally, just about everything in life works that way. And some people wonder why they get so little out of church. I'm telling you, the more you give yourself and put yourself in, believe me, the more you're going to get out of it. And it's going to bless your heart and it's going to warm your heart. And get this too, you being present is going to change other people too. It's going to encourage, it's going to strengthen, it's going to build up, and the whole body will be built up when we dig in and give ourselves to it. There are blessings that can only be gained by giving ourselves to the local church. The blessings of walking deeply in, life of, in the life of Christ with others. The blessings of praying together earnestly for your needs and having people that you can lean on and say, hey, I'm really going through something right now. I really need you to pray and you know that they're going to be there for you and pray for you. And the blessing of serving others and exercising your gifts and knowing that when you exercise your gifts in the life of a local body, you're making an eternal difference in the lives of others. Not just a temporal difference but an eternal difference in the lives of others when you serve them with your gifts and serving others in the name of Jesus Christ. We miss out on the sanctifying power of corporate worship if we don't give ourselves to the life of the body. You will, the more you give yourself to the church, the more you'll worship better on Sunday mornings when you stand beside others and you can see that person across the church and you say, I know what they're going through and look, they're still singing to the Lord this morning. It makes a difference. It makes a difference when you get, dig in. There's, there's blessings and benefits that you can only get when you dig in. And we lose all that when we take membership lightly. And not only do we lose, but other people lose too. We have, all of us have gifts that we've been given, abilities and, and skills and, and resources that God has entrusted to us to use Not to just squander it on ourselves, but to use for the glory of God and for the good of others. And and when when those gifts are absent in the life of the church body, you're not the only one that suffers. We all suffer. We're all missing out on your gifts in this body of Christ. See, God has designed it this way so that we need each other. What if the greatest blessing to be gained in church membership is not what you can receive, but what we can give to see others grow to full maturity and grace in Jesus Christ? And when we give of ourselves, there's, Jesus said it was more blessed to give than to receive. What better place to give yourself than to a family of faith that you have covenanted with together? To see that all of us grow in our love and faith and obedience to Christ. And in addition to all this, of course, we are, we're commanded. <laughs> we're commanded of this. So at the bare minimum, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you should at least want to obey Christ's commands and the commands of the Bible. And we're commanded these, these great privileges and responsibilities. For example, in the book of Hebrews, um, in verse 
chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Anybody in this room want to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin? Anybody? A very famous pastor this week announced his divorce on Instagram and then later gave a post that said, by all measurements that I have for measuring a Christian, I am not a Christian. He's a pastor for 20 years, I think. And had, and had, had written a, a book that probably many of you in this room have read. Hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want that to happen to me. How does that not happen? Exhort one another every day as long as it's called a day. In other words, you solo by yourself, you can't do it. You have to be part of a community of faith that can speak truth into your life when you need it the most. But guess what? That only comes when you dig in. Because guess what? If you never dig in, then guess what? Nobody's going to know what you're struggling with because you haven't told anybody. And nobody's going to know. So no one's going to be able to help you. If If you're struggling with something in any area of life... Your, your personal life, your work, your marriage, whatever it is. If you're struggling with something, you need to tell somebody. I'm your pastor. I love you. I'm telling you right now, you need to tell somebody. Because the longer you let it go, it's going to get worse. Next thing it says in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. You see all this? It's the same principle. The way we guard against these things is by being together. And by speaking truth into one another's lives. By knowing and being known. That's why, that's why church membership matters. Because eternal realities are at stake. I, I, believe, I believe if you're truly saved, I believe if you're born again, I believe you can't lose your salvation. But here's the, here's the secret that people don't tell you. It's not automatic. God uses means to accomplish His ends. And the means that He's going to use to make sure you get to the end is other people in your life. And when I read this about that, when I read that about this pastor this week, let me tell you something. It scared me. It scared me. Because what about me? What about me 20 years from now? 
if we don't dig in to a body of faith, a body of believers, and, and have people there to walk this with us, we're putting ourselves at great risk. So how can we take church membership more seriously? Well, it takes initiative. It takes intentionality. You know, we get out what, what we put in. And so you just have to, you have to say, God, I don't want to sit on the sidelines anymore. God, what do you want me to do? How can I, how can I serve? How can I get more involved? Well, there's immediate ways that we can, that we can do that. Uh, one way, uh, just, just all, all of the things that we have going on on a regular basis, just being with other people in this church is going to make a huge difference. So, for example, Sunday school. If you're not attending Sunday school, that's a great way to what? To get to know other people. Because why? Because it's easy to walk in at 11, walk out at 12, and not talk to a single person. That's easy. Nobody knows you, and you don't know them. If you get involved in a Sunday school class, then that gives you an outlet, an opportunity to get to know people, to talk to people, to share other people with other people about your problems in your life and what's going on uh, in your life. Um, uh, we have uh, uh, an evening service. I love our evening service because there's a lot more relaxed. We can just kind of hang out after the service and talk, and we have time to share during our PM service. That's another way to get involved. Uh, another way we can exercise uh, church membership is at our church conference, second Sunday of every month. If something happens in this church and you don't like it and you weren't at church conference, don't complain about it. Don't come to me and complain about it. You show up at church conference. And you say, I'm a member of this church, and I want this church to be healthy and do right. And, I, and, 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 and that, that's how you exercise your responsibility and privileges at membership. Just like don't complain about the government if you don't vote. It's the same thing. Okay? Uh, there are other ways, too. Prayer meetings. I don't push prayer meetings a lot, and I, and I should. But Wednesday night prayer meetings are so sweet, guys. I'm telling you, they're so sweet. You know, you're thinking it's the midweek, it's Wednesday, you know. I saw them people three days ago. (laughs) Let me tell you something. It's sweet. It's sweet. And let me tell you something. We'd have a lot lot less problem and a lot less anxiety if we just prayed more. And there's just something powerful about sitting next to somebody and praying together and for one another and with one another. Wednesday, 6.30. That's a great way to get involved and to dig in. Um, there's, some other, there's some other opportunities that we have as well. Uh, every morning, I, 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 invite, I invite the men. We call it altar men at 9 a.m. in the prayer room to pray. You know, sometimes there's just a couple of us. You know, I'm grateful for every single one that comes, but I'd be, I'd be glad that I would be, I would be thrilled if we overflowed that prayer room and had this altar full of men at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, crying out to the Lord for this, for this church family. 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Um, there's some teams that, that need um, uh, help. We got the greeting team, uh, Rihanna here. You can, you, we can greet and, and, and serve our guests by greeting our guests, welcoming our guests. There's committees that we need people to serve on, to serve. We got children we need ministry to. We need people, we need people uh, to fill these committees and say, I'm committed. 
to discipling my children for Christ, discipling our youth from Christ, discipling the men and women of our church, all these different committees. They're not just committees. Committees just fancy word, whatever. It's, a, it's an opportunity to exercise your gifts to say, I'm going to do what I can in this particular area of the life of our church to, make, to see that people are growing and maturing and that people are being reached out to and that we're making a difference in this community. And so there's all these ways to get involved. And if none of those suit your fancy, then guess what? Do, so- do something. You say, I wish we had this. Start it. Run with it. You want to start a Bible study? You want to start a prayer group? You, you know, you don't have to ask me about it unless you start teaching crazy stuff. Then I'm going to come find you about it. But you don't have to ask me about it. You just do it. You obey what the Spirit lays on your heart to do to bring other people. That's what it means to be a church. And besides all this, and besides all, and that, that's, that's, just, that's just things that we do that's, that's kind of more programmatic at our church. But look, the real, the real church membership, the real, the real life of church membership is living life together. When's the last time you had another member over at your house? For, the last time you shared a meal? When's the last time you personally asked somebody, how can I pray for you? Or when's the last time you personally shared with someone else, what's really weighing you down, and ask them for a prayer about it. That's, where real, that's, what, that's what church membership is really about. It's living life together. It's, it's, it's walking this fight of faith together. And, th- and those are things that you really just can't program. Those are things you just, you just come to a realization, hey, unless I get other people in my life, I'm going to fall apart. And you invite them in. You invite them in. And the final thing, of course, that I want to mention is this. And that is that maybe you'd like to join Cottondale Baptist Church. Because the Lord has convicted you and you want to dig in. Welcome home. Come on in. If you're not a member, we have a membership class. If, if you, can, you can talk to me, you can put it on your uh, little prayer card if you want to and give it to me and I'll contact you. We can, we can start another uh, membership class soon. I'll explain everything it entails to be a member. And then you can become part of this family of faith as well as we walk this journey together. And as we close, as I close this morning, what I want to do is I want to read uh, this, church, uh, this church covenant. Um, I want to read this church covenant uh, together. And so actually what I want to do is I want to invite you to stand, and if you have a bulletin, you can pull out that church covenant. And uh, maybe if someone doesn't have one, um, maybe our ushers can make sure everybody has um, uh, a bulletin, um, has a copy of your church covenant. We want to read this together because this is what we, as members of Cottondale Baptist Church, has covenanted together. You know when you get married, you say your vows? You say your vows? And I hate to say it, but sometimes you just can't help but think it. When you're at a, when you're at a wedding and people say their vows, you kind of wonder in your mind... As, the, as they're saying their vows to one another, you kind of wonder, do they really mean this? Do they really mean what they're saying? Well, we're going to read our church covenant. And I want, I want, I want, I'm going to ask myself this question, and I want us all to ask myself this question. This is what we have covenanted together as members of Cottondale Baptist Church. I want us to ask ourselves, man, do I mean this? 
Do I mean it? God, help us to mean it. So, okay, church covenant, beginning in line one. Having been led, as we believe, by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, We do now in the presence of God and this assembly most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. We engage, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines, to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the ministry, the expenses of the church, and the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel throughout all nations. We also engage to maintain family and secret devotion, to educate our children religiously, to seek the salvation of our kindred and acquaintances, to walk circumspectly in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful to our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment, to avoid all tattling, backbiting, and excessive anger, to abstain from the sale of and use of intoxicating drinks and illegal drugs, and to be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior. We further engage to watch over one another in brotherly love, to remember one another in prayer, to aid one another in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy in feeling and Christian courtesy in speech, to be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation, and mindful of the rules of our Savior to secure it without delay. Moreover, we engage that when we remove from this place, we will, as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. That's strong, folks. That's strong. We have a high calling towards one another. May God help us fulfill it. And as we do, we will make a difference in this community and in this world. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you.